Hello and welcome to another episode of Use of Force. This week we will be discussing an incident that happened on September 25th, 2012 in Harlem. And the person that was killed was named Mohammed Ba. And I'm just going to start by reading the use of force report. On September 25th at 19.41 hours, in the 26th precinct, officers assigned to the emergency service unit responded to a request for assistance regarding an emotionally disturbed subject with a psychiatric history who was barricaded in his apartment and in possession of a knife. The subject's family had called the police after trying to communicate with the subject unsuccessfully. Once the emergency services unit arrived and took their positions outside the apartment, numerous unsuccessful attempts were made to communicate with the subject. The doorframe to the apartment was breached in order to insert a camera, which allowed the officers to observe the subject and determine his position and actions. The subject opened the door and attacked several of the officers with the knife. The officers attempted unsuccessfully to stop the subject with tasers and a less lethal plastic round, but he continued his attack. Three of the officers discharged their firearms at the subject, striking him and causing his demise. The subject had, not, had no prior arrest history. Okay. So, like I said, the, the person in question here was Muhammad Ba. He was 28 years old. He was living in Harlem and his mother, Hawa Ba, was visiting, they were from Guinea, mm -hmm. and she visited him uh, once a year, and typically they would take a trip to the Statue of Liberty to reflect on how lucky they are that they could immigrate into the United States mm. and how that was a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So on this particular visit, mm. she got there and was trying to encourage her son to go out and, and visit the city. He was depressed and not willing to go out and did, you know, lock himself in his apartment. So she tried to call an ambulance. Mm -hmm. She actually tried to call private ambulances first. She tried two private ambulance companies first. Mm -hmm. Neither of them were available sort of in the time frame that she felt like was needed. So she called 911 to get an ambulance. When the police arrived, she asked them to leave. She mm -hmm. said, no, I called for an ambulance. My son needs medical assistance. He does not need the police. Mm -hmm. When they tried, they refused to leave. Mm -hmm. And when they were trying to get in through the door, she again said, no, no, please don't use force. Please don't break down the door. Let me just talk to my son. I'm sure I can get him to come to the door. I asked for an ambulance. I did not ask for the police. Right. So they repeatedly disregarded what she was actually asking for, ultimately forced their way in. There's conflicting reporting, but because this incident did end up going to court multiple times, mm -hmm. over time, it was found that the officer that said he was stabbed was never actually stabbed. Mm. He was hit by a fellow officer's taser, 
So he had a, a sensation of pain mm. and apparently cried out, he's stabbing me, shoot him. Wow. But he wasn't ever stabbed. It's unclear whether or not Muhammad even had a knife. Some There's some reporting and, and the in the legal battle, you know, of course the... Um, the lawyer representing the family of Muhammad Ba is saying that the knife was placed mm. so that I guess photos of the scene, initial photos of the scene don't show a knife at all. Later photos show the knife in multiple different places. The knife was never tested for fingerprints. This happened pre-Hurricane Sandy, and I guess during Hurricane Sandy, the knife was, they said the knife was lost. Mm -hmm. Later they said it wasn't lost, but it was contaminated. Mm. So there's so many different things that seem off about this incident. And in some ways, you know, it relates to a lot of these other incidents that we've talked about where a family member is concerned about their their other family member and calls for assistance and ends up not getting the type of assistance that they're looking for, right? but rather the police who end up killing the person that they're there to help. Right. So that's sort of the, the short synopsis of, um, you know, what all these different articles that are out there about this incident um, have have shared. Mrs. Ba, um, the mother of Muhammad, has been since this incident has been very active in trying to make it so that police don't show up mm -hmm. in emotional distress issues, and that that they stop being first responders to these sorts of incidents. And she works with other mothers that have had their children killed by police mm. in recent years to, you know, also try and get this information out there and try and make this happen. She has also gone back to court a couple times to try and get the police officers that were involved in this incident fired mm -hmm. that never happened mm -hmm. the the jury in the original court case did say that they should be removed and then the state or the city i'm sorry i don't it's unclear to me actually how it was reversed but somehow it was just reversed and those officers didn't lose their jobs yeah and while we're talking about it, let's name the officers. It's Officer Edwin Mateo. Mm -hmm. That was the officer that fired the final shot, mm -hmm. which was proved to be fired from above into Muhammad's head. Mm. And in the reporting, it was said that he was firing to protect himself because Muhammad was attacking him. Right. So that's clearly not what happened right and the other officer that was involved was michael lisitra 
Mm-hmm. And he was, I guess, the supervising officer that day. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Edwin Mateo was actually also the officer that said he was being stabbed and then later made it clear that he wasn't actually stabbed. Yeah. I believe that was the same, I think, I believe it was the same officer that then fired the the shot that was essentially the the shot that killed Muhammad. Yeah. And so there's, in addition to, well, perhaps because of, but also in addition to the mother's activism work, there has been subsequent activist actions surrounding this case. Yeah. So one of the first things that showed up when I started researching this was a video from Jamane Williams from... September 2019 yeah. for a uh, holding a memorial service yeah. for Muhammad where um, his mother spoke and there was a release of balloons and some, you know, chanting and different organized, um, you know, moments to both to show reverence for her son, but also to share what the demands of this community is after after having this happen and, you know, not feeling as if there's been justice. Right. And in addition to, yeah, like I said, uh, there's other mothers that have been, that have had family killed by the police that have been banding together, I guess, to sort of support each other and push for true justice for their children. Um, the mother of Eric Garner is involved with Hawaba as well. And yeah, I, it seems as though, you know, there's in, in this research here, um, Mohammed Bash shows up in a number of different sort of important moments of legislation. Mm-hmm. I think the, the mothers of these people that have been killed often are invited to be there, you know, whether it's sort of a genuine sign of respect or if it's just a media grabbing from the legislators is unclear. There's one a moment in particular where in 2015, so this was three years after Muhammad Ba was killed, Governor Cuomo signed an executive order requiring a special prosecutor to review all fatal shootings and other deaths at the hand of officers. And this was, you know, widely praised by activists and covered in the media and, you know, I, I guess I would agree that that's a positive step forward, but the, the mothers of these people that have been killed are invited to these sorts of events, and in this one in particular, Hawaba was in, invited, and she, you know, there's, there's 
reporting that some of the other family members were hugging and getting swept up in the emotion of the event and she did not she offered him a stiff handshake and said after I get true justice for my son then I will give you a hug and part of that was that this order wasn't retroactive mm-hmm. so you know future cases would have to be investigated by a special prosecutor but this had nothing this this did nothing for mom and case right this did nothing to actually investigate the officers involved yeah in that case yeah yeah i mean it's, it's awful to it's awful that he was killed and it's tragic that that his mother has to live with this potentially for the rest of her life i mean certainly yeah. in some fashion but what satisfaction will be available to her at any point is unclear and it you know it is a vehicle for transformation as far as the case is not as murky or ambiguous or as poorly reported on as some of the other ones that mm-hmm. we see and in that way hopefully substantive changes is something that can come and it is being spurred by a woman that sounds tremendously motivated and and special Mm -hmm. and it's tragic and hopefully it can it can continue to be raised in profile so that things can happen to change this right like it you know we should have some sort of separate force that response that isn't the police and you know i don't know why they were there in the first place as opposed to the ambulance unclear yeah and this this case does particularly strike me because i do know that you know sometimes the other department just shows up uh even sometimes if you call the police the fire department shows up right and it's like in some instances that that is good i guess because it's just having another body there to help Mm -hmm. but in this particular case where it was very clear that they wanted an ambulance they didn't want the police she said no please leave i i guess i don't know what the legality is about that but it seems to me that what they did is really just wrong in so many levels. I think to force your way in to a barricaded door when, yeah, I mean, they didn't have a warrant. They didn't have any sort of like reason to come in except that they showed up before the ambulance. Right. And they weren't ultimately wanted. Like if, you know, if I accidentally called 911 and then they showed up and I said, no, please leave. I didn't mean to call the police. I don't know what their, I don't know what their, what the legality is. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know either. It, it, it does get murky when you, you I mean, it, I would like to believe we could live in a world where if you don't want the police there, you can tell them to leave and they are required to leave. But there's so many sorts of issues that probably surround that. 
Right. The issue, the thing with the camera initially strikes me as like, well, if somebody is emotionally disturbed, putting a camera into their space is not a great idea. But no. then it makes me wonder if, in fact, the story of the knife is true or if they add the idea of the camera to further create this like illusion of somebody that's emotionally unstable. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because um, that's something that I noticed that there isn't there is reporting that says that there's no video evidence available. The police weren't able to provide any video evidence of this event. Yeah. But one of the first things they apparently did was insert a camera into the room. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And makes me think, I mean, they're already, in this case, it's, it's already clear that things are being lied about. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, this is the type of case that if everything were on the level, the police would make it in their top priority to show transparency and and investigate this. But that's not the top priority. Right. Top priority is to protect the people that are being asked to do a difficult job. And it is a difficult job, but that doesn't mean that everybody is fit to do it if, yeah. if they have a uniform on. It's true. So there's a lot to talk about. I think we've mentioned the all the main pieces of this incident it's still ongoing as far as getting true justice for Muhammad Ba and I guess we will you know we'll keep following the story to see how it ends up playing out for Hawaba and and what it is that she needs to feel that she has justice for her son and you know this is a particular a particularly difficult incident i think um because there is so much there's so little transparency from the police but there is so much clear transparency into how this is affecting his family yeah. So, as always, if anyone has more information about this incident or others that you would like or be willing to share with us, we would appreciate it. We are always trying to learn as much as we can when we're speaking about this, and um, we'd be we'd be um, grateful to hear from you. And thanks for listening. Bye.